It's Monday, July 25th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. This week is arguably one of the last busy weeks of the summer, and now we're kind of heading into that point that it's just baseball going on, not a whole lot else. So lots to go over this week, and then after that, kind of tapering off. So starting with baseball, it was the All-Star Game and the All-Star Break. And for the All-Star Game, the National League struck first with two runs in the very first inning. However, the American League came back in the fourth inning, scoring three runs, and it turns out that was all they needed. The back-to-back home runs by Stanton and Buxton were the nail in that national coffin. This was the ninth consecutive win by the American League. That translates to the last time the National League won was 2012. Remember, one year was canceled due to COVID. Now, since the 90s, the American League has absolutely been the more dominant league. But prior to that, the 50s through the 80s, the National League reigned. The Nationals right fielder Juan Soto won the home run derby this year and unseated the favorite. He is the second youngest person to win the derby ever and only by a couple of days. Soto defeated Julio Rodriguez, who looked to be the favorite heading into the final round as he had hit more home runs than anyone else in each round before that. He gets a $1 million check for taking that title. Now, the MLB All-Star Game is the most watched All-Star Game of the big four leagues, but viewership did take a dip this year. It was actually down 9.7% year over year, and so did the Home Run Derby, but only by 35 Also, just a new Hall of Fame class was announced today. Leading that is Big Poppy, or a.k.a. David Ortiz. Now, remember from last week, I said that the Mariners had a winning game streak going? Well, the Mariners were on a 14-game win streak before heading into Houston on Friday, and they needed one more to tie their franchise record of 15. Now, that was back from 2001, but the Astros had something to say about that. The Houston All-Star Altuve homered on the first pitch against the Mariners on Sunday, and that pretty much personified the series for the Seattle team. This was Altuve's ninth leadoff home run of the season, which is the most in the league, and Houston swept all three games against the Mariners. Moving on to a little bit of basketball, just because James Harden is staying in Philly for a while, the 76ers offered him a two-year deal for $68.6 million. And this is kind of cool. He actually turned down their initial offer for 47.4 for next season originally. So that was just for one year versus two. And he actually did that to allow salary cap flexibility so that the team could afford other players. So don't really hear about athletes turning down more money, but he did in the sense of like per year. He said that he wants to help build out that roster, so that's kind of nice. This deal does guarantee him $33 million for next season and then has an option to extend for another year. We got a little bit of football news and football headlines. A crowd favorite, the turnover chain at Miami, will be retired for the 2022 season. Head coach Cristobal said that publicly it is not going to be used for this season. It is not part of our culture. We have seen this since the 2017 season. 
On a very sad note, Texas wide receiver John Mechie III, who was also an Alabama wide receiver, has been diagnosed with leukemia and will not play this upcoming season. Now, Mechie does have the most treatable form of leukemia, which is called APL. And just so that for those of you who don't know, leukemia is cancer of the blood cells. So people have definitely rallied their support for him, but we wish him luck in his recovery. Moving on to golf, Scott Piercy had a five-shot lead on the eighth tee in the final round of the 3M Open, and then the bogey started rolling in. On the final 11 holes, Piercy carded seven bogeys, including one triple bogey. In contrast to that, Tony Finau got rolling started on the eighth, but it was at 17 that you knew it just was meant to be his day because his tee shot actually ricocheted off the grandstands, looked to be destined for the water, but stopped inches before the OB penalty line. Finau did find the water on 18, but sealed the victory with a bogey as he was four shots ahead anyway already at that point. We are running into the next Live Tour event will be this weekend at Bedminster, and we've got three players confirmed added to that. Henrik Stenson, who is now the former captain of the Europe uh, team for the Ryder Cup, Charles Howell III, and Jason Kokrak. Jason Kokrak should be no surprise to really any any golf fan because he was already a golf Saudi ambassador, so not really super surprised with that. Lots going on in the Olympic sports world, and there's mainly two reasons why. The Tour de France ended on Sunday on the Champs-Élysées, and in a surprising upset, Danish Johan Vindegaard took the final yellow jersey and won his first Tour de France. He has come from a long way from his days from a fish factory worker. He was then runner-up last year, which was his rookie Tour de France. He actually took the place of somebody else who ended up dropping out. And in his second only one that he's ever run, he is now the Tour de France champion. Vindegaard won over Tade Paracha by 2 minutes, 43 seconds. And the mountain stages were mostly what contributed to his win. Now you pretty much know what the rest of the podcast is going to be spent on is World Track and Field Championships. They ended last night and they were a huge success for the Americans who, again, first American worlds held on American soil. They came away with 33 medals. That is the most ever earned at a world championships by one country. 13 golds, which was actually one gold short of the all-time gold mark. We had multiple medals from eight events. The United States was the first to sweep three events in the men's 100 meter, the men's 200 meter, and the men's shot put. And the last time a country swept the 100 and the 200 was 1904. So they kind of, the guys specifically disappointed in Tokyo only taking home five sprint medals, and that compared to this world with 11. So they definitely took that to heart. They obviously needed some kind of crowd because it could not have been more different than Tokyo where no one was in the stands, and then you come home and you're literally competing in front of home crowd advantage. So quite a huge difference, and they doubled their sprint medals that they came home with. So in these games, there were 179 countries in attendance, Three world records were broken, 92 national records were broken, and 29 different countries took home gold. 
Liberia, Niger, Pakistan, Samoa, Philippines, and Guatemala all reached the finals for the first time in an event, and it was the most watched worlds ever, with three days still to be reported. That's already a fact, so kind of cool there, and the last three days were featured on NBC and were some of the best track and field I've seen in quite some time. So the next worlds will be next year in Budapest. So but getting into the actual individual results. The United States swept the 100 from last week, you remember, and this time they swept the men's 200. Noah Lyles broke Michael Johnson's American record, which has stood for 26 years. He also put the rivalry of teenage Arian Knighton to bed, who took bronze. Kenny Benderek brought home the silver. It was amazing. Literally, Noah Lyles just took off from the gun and just it would you knew it was going to be special from the word go. A thing Mo also looked untouchable last year in Tokyo when she won her gold in the 800 meter. This year, not so much, but we had three Americans who made the the 800 meter final and they looked to be in a good place to grab multiple medals. However, it was not to be. A thing Mo did win, but barely holding off silver medalist for Team GBR Hodgkinson. And Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers were nowhere to be found. They got like sixth and eighth, I believe. The 100-meter hurdles is always a big race for the American women. It is actually known as the hardest Olympic team to make because we are usually stacked. And we had four women that started the heats, but we had two fall in just round one. Literally, one didn't make it to the first hurdle, just kind of a yip situation. And then another got distracted by Jamaican coming on at the end and fell on the last hurdle. Turns out that these hurdles are wood. So if you actually hit the hurdle, you go down. The hurdle doesn't go down. And that's not usually something that we see in the United States. So just as a little bit of a tidbit. But there were definitely casualties all over the first round, which did include our reigning world champ, Ollie. But two Americans did make the final, including world record holder Kenny Harrison. However, her world record went down in the semis to Nigeria's Amusan, who ran a 12-12. And she by far looked the best in the rounds. So it was no surprise you ran semifinals that night. And then you came back a couple hours later and ran the final. So it was no surprise that after her world record performance, she was ready to take care of business. And she actually ran a 12.06 in finals. That is not a new world record, however, because it was wind aided. That means hashtag girlfriend hint. Wind aided means over two miles per hour. This was 2.5. So to be able to stand as a world record, it has to be below 2.0. So unfortunately, not another record, but man, 12.06, how crazy. And the United States was actually shut out of the medals in this event for the first time in a very long time. Now, Michael Norman had the weight of the world, or at least the United States, on his shoulders at last year's Tokyo Olympics. His mother is actually Japanese, so I'm sure he felt a lot of pressure. And he actually has no really big meat hardware. So this was a notable monkey on his back kind of thing until Friday night when he took home 400 meter gold over veteran Karani James. I would be remiss if I did not talk to you about the 400 meter hurdle race. Both the men's and the women's were some of the best races to watch in all of worlds. So let's start with the men. 
we had a rematch of Norway's Warholm versus United States Ride Benjamin, who came in under the world record line in Tokyo, but obviously Warholm got the gold. Upset would be putting that lightly for Rye Benjamin. However, it was time, this time it was on his home soil. So Rye got second this time again, but to Brazilian Dos Santos, who had the best season of the three men, Warholm frankly just died on the final stretch, cutting into home. And this was the first world championship medal for Brazil ever. United States D2 NCAA champ Bassett took home a surprising bronze medal. So congratulations. On the women's side, the rematch between Dalila Muhammad and Sydney McLaughlin was highly anticipated. And man, it did not disappoint. You could tell by the 100 meter mark that McLaughlin was trying to do something special. And it truly, truly was. She broke her own world record again, lowering it to 50.68 This is her fourth world record in just two years and lowered it almost a full second from just a month ago at nationals. Her time was actually so fast that Sydney would have been seventh in the 400 meter dash. So the flat 400 meters, but she ran over it with hurdles and she would have gotten seventh at worlds. So just absolutely insane. Cannot wait to see if she makes that jump over to the 400 meter flat. Mohammed got third and Netherlands bowl took silver. That was not surprising after her performance in the mixed four by 400 meter relay. However, the United States did take first through fifth, pretty much with the exception of second. So it was a very impressive showing in the 400 meter hurdles. We have some serious depth there. The relays, I don't know how you expect to beat the Jamaican women who swept the 100 meter flat and accounts for three of those four legs were literally the medalists. The answer to that is solid baton passes, and that's exactly what the American women did. I cannot be the only one whose jaw literally dropped when Jenna Prandini, who did not make the American team on the 100 meter, made up the stagger on Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. It was absolutely insane. She is a home crowd Oregon duck, but it was nuts. However, when the anchor got the stick, Jamaican was Jamaica was closing like crazy. I literally think if they had had another step, they would have had us. But T.T. Terry kept them at bay, and the United States women won by .04. It was the complete opposite on the men's side. However, the United States men swept the 100, and this time, admittedly, uh, Curley did suffer an injury in the 200 meter heats. So he was out of the relay, but they were hands down the favorites. I mean, you swept the hundred meters, but a bad, bad final handoff opened that door and team Canada stepped through it to grab gold by 0.07. So turnabout is a little bit fair play there. Moving on to the four by four, the American men came ready to play, putting the race away pretty much in the first leg. Godwin crushed it, making up the staggers before handing off the baton to world champ Michael Norman. That sounds good to say. And then champion Allison, who was left off of the podium in the 400 meter flat, brought us home to win by over two seconds. Now, Allison Felix for the women's side came out of her new retirement to run in the heats for the four by 400 meter dash or relay to give the hurdlers a little bit of a longer rest. And it was wonderful to see her one more time. She did set the tone for the final, despite not actually competing in the actual final. The American women were closer than expected after two legs, but Abby Steiner did give Arkansas 400-meter hurdler Wilson the lead, and they never looked back. Wilson had a great third leg, and Sydney McLaughlin took the baton as anchor and ran a high 47-meter... 
47 seconds split to win the gold by two seconds. Again, cannot wait to see if she makes that jump to the flat. This gold makes it 20 world medals for Allison Felix, the most ever. So in the field events, Kara Winger had been out, been to six world championships and had publicly said this would be her last as she was going to retire after this world's. Well, she went out with a bang, bringing home America's first javelin medal with silver on her final throw of her entire career. So how about that for some nice justice there? We also brought home the first world medal in the women's triple by Tori Franklin. So nice job. Valerie Allman was disappointed with her bronze, however, in the discus after she won gold in Tokyo, but add that medal to the tally as well. In the men's pole vault, United States Chris Nielsen took home silver, but the main story here was the LSU Swede Mondo Duplantis, who has literally been called the Tiger Woods of the pole vault. He already owned the world record, but he wanted to set another, and as the last active athlete on the track at Worlds, he ended the meet right, clearing 20 meters and four inches, 20 feet and four inches, which is a new world record. We're going to end with the multis. As Anna Hall took home bronze in the heptathlon, this is the first American to win a medal in that event at World since 2001. So it's been over 20 years. She was also third all-time best American score. On the men's side, Double Z, or Zach Samaric from Wisconsin, got third in the decathlon on the final day of competition. Canadian Damian Warner went down with a leg injury and a cramp or a cramp on the final event of day one and went down with the lead. Francis Mayer ended, de- ended up defending his world title. Actually, Double Z competed with me back in my day, so that was kind of fun to see. There were only three events that the Americans had no one in the final, and that was the women's high jump, the men's 800, and the women's 400. That wraps it up for what happened over the last week. I know that was a lot of track and field, but thank you for bearing with me because it was just amazing. It was, oh, it was so good. So hopefully you enjoyed that little recap. And so what to watch this upcoming week. We've got the MLB is majorly back on schedule. So Tuesday we see the Battle of New York, the Yankees at the Mets at 6, 10 p.m. on TBS. Then they have a doubleheader. The next day they will play at 6 p.m. on ESPN. On Saturday, you've got the Brewers at the Red Sox at 310 on Fox Sports 1. Then you've got three games at 615 on Fox, depending on where you are. It's either the Twins at the Padres, the Phillies at the Pirates, or the Cardinals at the Nationals. And then Saturday night, the Rangers at the Angels at 807 on Fox Sports 1. Sunday, we will see the Tigers at the Blue Jays at 11.05 on Peacock and the Cubs at the Giants at 6 p.m. on ESPN. In the golf world, the Live Tour Bedminster Round 1 begins Thursday. That will be at 1 p.m. Shotgun Start. You can catch that on livegolf.com or YouTube. Same goes for Rocket Mortgage Round 1 also begins Thursday. That will be at 2 p.m. on Golf Channel. So that runs Thursday and Friday or Round 1 and 2 of those events. Saturday is Rocket Mortgage Round 3. That will be at noon on Golf Channel and at 2 on CBS. Live Tour, that will be the final round, will be Saturday at 1 on LiveTour.com, LiveGolf.com, or YouTube. And then the Rocket Mortgage final round will be at noon on Golf Channel and again at 2 on CBS. We got a little bit of motorsports. F1 goes to Hungary for the Hungarian GP. That will be Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on ESPN. 
The only two events of Olympic sports going on this week on TV will be Wednesday. The Miami Triathlon will be on TV at 6 p.m. and on Fox Sports 1. And you'll catch a little bit of swimming at 11 a.m. on Sunday on NBC. Even soccer has kind of taken a, a little bit of a pause. We've got Copa America uh, for the females on Monday and Tuesday. And then MLS only has one game on TV this week, Minnesota United versus Portland Timbers at 2 p.m. on ABC. That wraps it up for me this week. Like I said, I know it was a lot of track and field for those of you who don't really care, but thanks for bearing with me. First Worlds on American soil. I'm not sure the world's going to let it come back after our domination here. But, man, it was awesome to watch. I promise it'll be a lot less track and field from now on. Hope to catch you all next week for the weekly update.